I got a question for you. Has there ever been a time in your life where things were just going great and all of a sudden, without warning, everything started going bad? So you've, you've been like me. I'm not going to be talking to myself, which I do that frequently, but don't judge me. This is a place of no judgment. You know, we have those times in our lives where, where change interrupts what we're doing. And, and sometimes it's subtle and small, and sometimes it's the big stuff, but change can really, it can just kind of shift everything for us, right? So I don't know if you realize this, about seven years ago, I've been here just over five years here at the church, about seven, seven and a half years ago, my family almost died all together in a boat. No, I wasn't driving. But this guy, it would have been the second time that he had tried to kick me out of the boat. And that in itself is a whole different story. But there was a time when, when we were together with some friends and we had spent the day on the lake and it was a beautiful day. Uh, it was a little windy, but we were kind of in a place in the lake where there really wasn't a whole lot of waves or movement, just nice and calm. We were tubing, the, we were throwing the kids in the water, we were having a good time. And then we were like, man, let's just go over across underneath the bridge. Right there on the other side of the bridge is, is a place to eat and some of the greatest Tex-Mex food in the world. Let's go there. You knew I had to throw in Tex-Mex just for fun. So we got to the bridge, and everything was going great. As soon as we hit the bridge, the wind decided to show up, and all of a sudden what was nice, smooth sailing became real choppy. And if you think I'm kidding, go ask my wife or ask my kids. They probably remember, because at that time, we were like, well, let's just turn around, go get in the car, and go to dinner. Anybody, that would have been your response to choppy water. Not Carl. Carl was like, you know what, we're going to go because it's only about 300 yards and we can get there. The problem is we were in the middle of the lake and we still had to navigate around one of the establishments to get to this restaurant. And the more that we went, the water started coming in and coming in and coming in and coming in. And the, the boat is now full of water and we're still floating. And then Carl says, you know what, I think there's too much water. The engine shuts the engine off because that's what you do in the middle of the lake. And then jumps out of the boat. And at this point, cell phone's wet, wallet's wet, kids are having a blast. Who knew you could have a pool inside of a boat when you're on the lake? And then Carl jumps out and says, all right, throw me the kids. Carl, we're not even close to the shore. I know, we'll just swim. Throw me the kids. And so we threw the kids overboard because we're good parents like that. And we swam to shore. And then, you know, we, we kind of tied off the boat. We had a little rope. We were trying to pull it in, and we got it, we got it in by about 50 yards to go. And then there's just so much water, we couldn't pull it anymore. And next thing we know, the police have shown up, and somebody reported that people were throwing, going overboard. There must be a boating accident. Uh, while we were getting the cars, apparently Channel 8 showed up and was videotaping and wanting to get some, uh, some interviews, and we didn't feel like it was worth us getting on TV, telling Carl what he already knew, that we should have just gotten in the car and drove to dinner. We had a great evening planned. Life was going great, and all of a sudden, wave after wave after wave after wave, and next thing we know, our lives are in jeopardy. Now, honestly, were, were we thinking that this is it, this is our day? No. We, we, we were confident in our swimming ability, but you never know. You never know. It's always that unexpected change that begins to really just kind of mess with you a little bit. And there are times with us, and, and we're talking about boating, and, and if, if you think I'm 
bad. I've been on a few boats since then. I think that, that curse is over. I'm safe to go with back on the water. But there are times in our lives where change happens that we're not ready for. You think about times where relationship problems, all of a sudden y'all, things were going great in your marriage or with your kids, and then boom, something happened. You think about things in your job, and you're looking at promotion. The next thing you know, you're looking for a new job. There are times in your finances, you're doing great, things are well, and all of a sudden that, that the car breaks down, and, and you're looking at this bill that you know the bank account and the bill don't match up. You're looking at things of your health has been great for all these years, and all of a sudden here comes that diagnosis you weren't expecting. And there are the times of good, unexpected change. There are those times. But we don't generally struggle when unexpected change is good. We struggle when unexpected change is bad. So this morning, I want to look at time in, a time in the Bible in Mark, excuse me, Matthew chapter 8, where things were going really, really well. But then all of a sudden, there was an unexpected change. So join me there in Matthew chapter chapter 8. As you're turning, I, I want to ask you this, and I don't want you to respond. Don't raise your hand. Don't say any amens or anything like that. Just in your mind, I need to know if you recognize this. Is it possible for Jesus to move in your life when unexpected change happens? Is it possible for Jesus to be working for you when he seems silent? Is it possible that Jesus is powerful enough to take care of anything that you may be facing? On the surface, I know if I would have said respond to that, all of you or most of you would have said yes, yes, yes. But when the moment happens, what would you have said? I remember there have been too many times in my life where that unexpected bill came through. What are we going to do? And I start thinking, well, okay, I'll have to get a second job or maybe a third job or maybe I'll have to sell this. Or how much does a kid worth? No, I'm just kidding. I never would sell my kids. Never would sell my kids. But you start thinking about, okay, what could I do? And at the whole time, I'm sitting there going, wait a minute. Jesus said he would always provide for me. Jesus would always take care of me. And somehow, someway, every single time, Jesus took care of me. When I've had family and friends and, and people in our churches that we served with, and, and all of a sudden that unexpected diagnosis comes up, and you know that panic sets in, like, this is it, this is over, it's okay. It's, it, I'm just going to have to, this is, this is it. And then we begin to pray, and we begin to see Jesus do some incredible things, not only with the person that had the diagnosis, but the people whose lives sat down and started to pray. And then you realize God didn't waste that moment. He changed a lot of lives with a single event. And we see these things, but we have to realize that on the surface, it seems all is lost. But in the eyes of the, of the Lord, in the hands of Jesus, he's got you right where he wants you. And he's about to do something so incredible, so powerful, so monumental, that there's going to come a day where you're going to walk back and you're going to look at all the things of your life and you're going to see the times in your life where God just kind of interrupted or something interrupted and you're going to say, look at Jesus and how he was guiding me every step of the way. And you're going to be fine. So let's join together as we read Matthew chapter 8. I'm going to look at verses 23 through 27. It says, As he got into the boat, his disciples followed him. And suddenly a violent storm arose on the sea, so the boat was becoming swamped by the waves. But Jesus kept sleeping. So the disciples came and woke him up, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to die. 
And he said to them, Why are you afraid, you of little faith? Then he got up, he rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was great calm. And then the men were amazed at what kind of, they were amazed and they asked themselves, What kind of man is this that even the winds of the sea obey him? Do you know what a New Testament fishing boat looks like? Randy, do we have that? This is a New Testament era fishing boat. This is not the actual boat that the disciples jumped in, but this, this is what it looks like. There's enough room in that boat for about 16 to 20 guys, depending on the size of the boat, with about five or six guys with uh, oars in the, in the steering column, and then there, everybody else has plenty of room to just kind of chill out, and then when it's their time to row, then you get in, you row, and go about your business. You see this back portion here, the stern? That's where Jesus is. He's back there camped out. He's sleeping. You know, sometimes when we read this story as a kid, we were thinking yachts, were we not? Like Jesus is down below, and he's camping out, and he's got a nice little pillow. No, he's probably on a, like a sandbag or something back there. Maybe he's wadded up a, a cloak or something, and he's laying back there. And so this is not like Jesus wasn't experiencing the wind and the waves. That's some powerful sleep that many of us would like to ask Jesus. How could we sleep like that, Right? A few of our parents that are, that are now they're newborns, they're several months old, you're asking yourself, how can I get Jesus sleep? And this is what you're referencing. But all of a sudden you start looking at this. But then you start thinking about the journey that these men were on in this boat. The Sea of Galilee was one that they had been on multiple times. The disciples, remember many of them are fishermen. So they would have known this, this journey back and forth, sideways, forwards, crossways, however. They would have known this because they would have been at night dragging their nets catching fish. Or maybe early in the morning catching fish. They knew this lake. They knew the terrain. They knew how to, to navigate the winds and the waves. And they, they, they had been there many times. They were excellent, uh, experienced sailors. Not only is this, but in also other references in Mark and also in Luke, you notice that the disciples aren't by themselves. Many boats are out there. Multiple boats are following this, this group of men, Jesus and his disciples, and they're all going together. So now you have this entire community. It's kind of like the, I, I learned of this in Knoxville. Terry Fitzsimmons is going to be so excited. It, what do they call it? The Orange Navy? What is it? Is that, thank you. Whatever they used to say, because I couldn't hear you. So you got the Navy out there, and all the boats are together getting ready for the football game in Knoxville. But here on the Sea of Galilee, they're all following Jesus because they know wherever Jesus goes, life changes. So they're all together. And then you get into a phrase where Matthew writes this phrase, when suddenly. Everything was going great. Smooth sailing. We can't walk around because it's a little mountainous and there's quite the terrain and this destination would take us several days. We need to get over there as soon as we can. Let's jump in the boat. Let's go. This will be easy. This is a cakewalk. How many of us have lived our lives like that? This will be easy. This is no problem. Some of the wives are thinking about the times their husband got in the car and said, oh, we're just going to go on a little drive. Four hours later, you're at your fourth gas station trying to figure out where the directions are. Everything was going easy, nice and smooth. We're going to just go, it's going to be easy. All of a sudden, here come the waves. Wind, suddenly. Another translation of the Bible says, without warning. Without warning, then here comes these waves. A violent storm then arose. If you do your research on the Sea of Galilee, you'll notice that the Sea of Galilee is actually notorious for this type of weather event happening. 
where all of a sudden you get into the, uh, the mountains and you get in where the wind patterns shift a little bit and all of a sudden what is smooth in a matter of seconds can be five to ten feet waves and boats are being tossed around. The irony of that is these men who have been in this boat and have been on this lake multiple times all of a sudden just cakewalk through this journey thinking this will be easy. And then the storm came when suddenly an unexpected change happened. And not only did it happen, but they were terrified. They were scared. And Matthew records one of them saying, we are about to die. I love what a pastor, his name is Andy Cook. I found this in study this week. He said, we should, we should know things like this happen. And we should know as individuals, as, as followers and, and disciples of Jesus Christ, there are going to be storms in our life. It's going to happen. We can't put it on a calendar because if you could, you would never schedule it. But Andy says this. He says, we should know because if the disciples didn't get a free pass out of the storms, then the rest of us who follow Jesus shouldn't expect a life much different. Storms are going to happen. Unexpected changes in our lives are just that, unexpected. They may surprise us, but they never surprise God. You know, God doesn't wake up in that moment in the situation and go, oh my goodness, can you look at that? I had no idea that the waves were going to get this bad. I believe that God was looking down going, man, you guys are panicking, but you forgot who's in the boat. Watch this. Jesus wakes up and he gets in there and, and he, he's just amazed at some of their lack of faith and some of their situations that they're wondering, how is this going to be? well, this is a lot of fun. My notes are gone. This is awesome. We're making it up from here on out. This ought to be entertaining. When we get into a situation where we look at things, we do exactly what the disciples did. When life happens and situations and we struggle, we use phrases like the disciples did in, in Matthew chapter 8. When the disciples looked at Jesus, Lord, save us, we're going to die. Mark, which we believe Peter helped Mark kind of write his gospel. So Mark's kind of getting Peter's side of the story. And Peter heard somebody say, Lord, don't you care? We are going to die. And so we get in this situation that when suddenly happens, we panic and we forget all the things that God has done for us. And then we start to ask our questions, do you care? And then all of a sudden, we, we don't know what to do with that. Some of us are like, well, Jesus doesn't care then. Christianity is bogus and we're out of here and, and walking away from faith. Anybody know anybody like that? We probably do. We may even work with a few of them. Hopefully I don't. <clears throat> Took some of y'all a second. It's okay. But we, we work with people and we're living with people and some of, you are in, some of them are in your own house and in your neighborhood and they've asked that question but they've never asked it to you, does Jesus really care? You know, when unexpected change happens in our lives, I think it's amazing that we ask that question but what's more important here is to get the question that Jesus asked back to him. So go back to Matthew chapter 8. Jesus asked them in Matthew chapter 8, verse 26, he says, Why are you afraid? 
you of little faith. And Mark actually records it in chapter 4. He says, why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? So I want to ask you the question that Jesus asked of his disciples, knowing that I have had to answer that question for myself multiple times, and some of them recently. That diagnosis, Jesus, do you even care that I got that diagnosis? Jesus would respond to you, why do you have no faith? Why are you afraid? Jesus, my marriage is in trouble. And I don't know if we can, we can weather this storm. Jesus is saying, why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Jesus, my kids, they're, they're having a hard time, and I can't relate to them, and I don't know what to do, and I feel like a bad parent. Do you care? Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? Jesus, I can't see what tomorrow means, and I don't know if you even care that I make it to tomorrow. Why are you afraid? Where's your faith? I think if we shift the question of, Jesus, do you care? And say, Jesus, I know you care, but can you help me see that you care? A little different. Jesus, I'm having a hard time hanging on to my faith right here. Jesus will walk you through it. When times of unexpected change happen, what do you rely on? Do you rely on your experience or your education? Sometimes our education doesn't get us far in faith. Our experience doesn't get us far in faith because it's ours. The last time I checked, the education of Jesus Christ is a little different than modern-day education in our school systems and hard knocks life. Those are my notes? Awesome. Here we go. Oh, good. I'm doing good so far. All right. That's awesome. It's my wife, everybody. Give it up for her. <clears throat> they were gonna get they were gonna get out ten minutes early, but you brought me the note, so <clears throat> just kidding. But you get into the situation where when we think about our faith, then Jesus shows up in powerful ways. Because when we start thinking about our faith, we don't think of just the moments where Jesus didn't show up we can begin to see where Jesus did show up. Think about when you got called into faith and you were ready to give your life to Jesus Christ. Was he not there? Before the current moment, the last time that your marriage hit a rough patch, was he not there? The day that you're, you felt like all was lost and everything is caving in, was he not there? The more times that I see in my life, Jesus is always there. And he's always ready to show up, not only show you that he cares, but show you his strength and his power and his grace and his mercy and his forgiveness and all the things that he possibly can show you to not only take you, care of you for the moment, but take care of you for eternity. I want to say that again because some of you need to hear that. Jesus is not trying to just take care of you for the moment. Jesus is trying to take care of you for eternity. So the next time that you have those moments where you're like, I don't know if Jesus cares, remember, have my little voice in your head going, wait, Jesus cares for me eternally, for eternity. And he will do some incredibly powerful stuff. 
What I know about Jesus also is that Jesus never wastes an unexpected change. I mentioned earlier, uh, multiple times in my life, I've known family and I've known friends that have had those unexpected diagnoses, medically speaking. Both times that I can recall right now, you know what happens? When God's people gather around together and pray, there's a movement of God like we'd never seen as a family before, and things change. And what started as a singular diagnosis for a singular individual now has a community of believers seeing and witnessing the power of Jesus Christ. That tells me that there's not an unexpected diagnosis medically that God cannot change and heal, but also use for his glory. If you feel like you're walking alone with a medical diagnosis or you're walking alone because you're the, you, no one else knows that your marriage is struggling or your kids or you're having a hard time or your finances are struggling, while we may not be able to fix all your problems, when we gather together with Jesus and we pray and we build community together and we support one another and we rally against, not rally against, but rally for each other, life changes. Not only yours, but the people around you. If we as a church, we've said it before, if we would stand together and and join our community saying this is what we are for and we are going to give you as much Jesus as we possibly can, revival breaks out in our community like we've never seen before. And so when the community faces unexpected change, when situations like last week can happen, when other situations come along the way, we don't panic, we just respond with Jesus Christ. God doesn't waste an unexpected change. Some of you, when you think financially, you're like, man, I didn't know about that bill. Maybe God doesn't give you dollar for dollar like you would think he should. But what if God identified ways for you to be financially free from that moment forward? Then not only did God take care of your present need, but he also took care of future needs. That marriage situation that that you had and you were fighting, you were, man, this might be it. Let's get the papers. Let's put the ink on the papers and call it done. What if that was a moment for God to respond in your story to make it somebody else's salvation story as well? Where God saved you, you shared your story, and then all of a sudden other people are coming to know Christ because you stayed put with your faith in Christ. Would it be possible? The disciples, let's don't travel too far from them. Think about in Mark chapter, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 8, Mark chapter 4. Also in Luke, do you know what story comes next? I do. I looked them all up. <clears throat> right after they cross the, the lake, they get off the boat, they walk past a graveyard, and all of a sudden a demonic, uh, a demonic man comes out and meets them. He's been, he's been taken over by a demon, which we know later is actually about 6,000 demons. And he comes out and he meets Jesus on the other side of the lake. Now, let's back up just a moment. If Jesus doesn't demonstrate, and God does not give Jesus a chance to demonstrate his power over nature, if the disciples cross the lake and then that happens, some of them may be like, you know what? Oh, we're out. That's too weird for us. That, we can't do that. That's, that's crazy. Good luck, Jesus. Right on. But because Jesus had already demonstrated his power, because you've got to remember, These guys had not followed Jesus for a long time. We act as if the disciples and Jesus grew up in the nursery, went through the kid's life and then through a student ministry, graduated, went to college, came back as 18-year-olds and started this beautiful ministry. That's not the case. 
These guys were literally picked from the herd and just said, I need you to follow me, and I need you to follow me, and I need you to follow me, and I need you to follow me. I need somebody from the mezzanine. Come on down. You need to follow me. And these guys are learning as they go. They're still building relationships, still building trust, much like we are with Jesus ourselves. And Jesus demonstrates his power, and they say, whoa, who is this that even the winds and the sea will obey him? So all that going, man, they must be doubting him. No, 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 no. Curiosity is now ignited because if Jesus could do that, what else could he do? Little did they know in a couple hours he was going to drive out 6,000 demons out of a singular person. If Jesus could do that and Jesus could do this, what could Jesus do in your life? If Jesus could take that situation of unexpected change in your life and use it for his glory and save you from it or walk you through it or heal you or make sure that you didn't die from it, what could Jesus do with the rest of your life? If you felt worthless and finally somebody said, you need to come to know Jesus because he is going to fill you with value. If Jesus could change your persona and your thought process of going, I feel worthless, all of a sudden I have this eternal value, what would Jesus do through you? probably go find somebody else that felt worthless and begin to use it. So the question becomes, we know that change is going to happen. We're all going to have those stories. You're going to be around the water cooler, or you're going to be around the the computer or the the social media. You're going to be at the family reunions, and somebody's going to be like, tell us about your life, and how's it going? And you're going to sit there, and you're going to say, well, everything was going great, when suddenly, and then you fill in the blank, and now you got them hooked because they're like, oh, Well, how'd you get through that? And then all of a sudden you said, you know what? I was panicking. But Jesus Christ saved my life. He saved my family. He saved my marriage. He saved my job. He saved my neighborhood. He saved my church. He saved my life group. He saved my community. And all of a sudden you see that God has been doing some incredible things with you. We're going to have those moments. It's going to happen where you're going to be faced with somebody telling you, I don't think Jesus cares about you. And that little voice inside your mind is going to be like, does Jesus even care what I'm struggling with? I'm telling you right now, he cares for you more than you realize. He loves you, and he is ready to just do anything he can to show you his power and his love. You just need to open up and say, Jesus, I need your help. Not do you care about me, but I need your help. I need to see you. And then let him do it. Remembering always that God God never wastes an unexpected change. So what do we do with this? First and foremost, I think that you need to put your faith in Jesus Christ. Because that way, when unexpected changes happen, and they will happen, your faith is grounded in something that is way stronger than anything you're going to face. I don't know if you've experienced that yet, but I'm promising you there's going to come a point in time, you or somebody you know is, put your faith in Jesus Christ. Second thing I would say is strengthen your faith. Put yourself in a situation where you will begin to understand that there is more out there than just words on a page. There is more things to happen than just, hey, I feel good on Sundays, the occasional life group. But you strengthen your faith every single time you possibly can. We have life groups around here. We love our life groups. Some of you are going to get sick of us talking about life groups, and I promise you, you're not, because once you feel and experience the awesomeness of a life group, 
you will not only see the relationships of your life improve, you will see your, the, the faith get stronger and stronger, and you will realize that there's, no, there's nothing in this world that you will ever have to walk alone. Nothing. Not only because Jesus is there, but because you've got a band of brothers and sisters that want to walk with you. In fact, we've got a, we've got a life group, Carlos and Nelda Cobos. They're, they're right back over here. If you just wave for us right there. They've got a few of their folks sitting right there with them in their life group, and we've got some others up in the mezzanine. Last week, I got an email from this life group, and it was, it was basically saying, we as a life group don't want to just be a labeled life group as, you know, we're an older. <clears throat> we want to be an intergenerational life group. These folks right here, they're going to be out at the welcome, the welcome area at our life group central here in just a few moments. If you need some mentors in your life, go join that life group. If you would say, I would just love some folks that have been a little further down the path than me, and I would love for them to be able to, to speak into my life, and I'd love to grow with them, then you go join that life group. And he's like, well, I don't know if I can meet on that day. Well, they will be helpful, and you, they will help you, and they will find a life group anywhere during the week that you can meet. They'll help you get introduced. Because we believe to strengthen your faith through a life group is one of the best things that you can do. I get an opportunity to meet with a few men every week. We meet on Tuesday mornings usually. We sit there, and all of us are church leaders in our own right. But we still, as a church leaders, we feel like it's important for us to spend an hour or so each week early in the morning. Some of you are like, Scott, that's not early. But it's early for me, so move on. But we get together because we think strengthening our faith will make us better leaders. Make us better fathers, better husbands, better Christ followers. It's important that we strengthen our faith. The third thing I would tell you is you need to trust the power of Jesus. I learned it a few weeks ago, and, I, and I've said it multiple times, and I feel like I just need to keep saying it until everybody believes me. The same power that resurrected Jesus from the dead is the same power that God wants to surround you with and work through you. It's the same power that God wants to supply you with in your heart, in your life. Because he wants to make sure that there is nothing that separates you from the love of Christ. The same power that moved mountains, the same power that parted the seas, the same power that freed the slaves, the same power that just has just done a wonder in somebody's life that you know, that same power can be in you when you put your faith in Jesus Christ. If Jesus did it for one, Jesus wants to do it for all. If Jesus only did it for one, then it really wouldn't be powerful, would it? But because he wants to do it for everybody in any situation, it's the greatest power known to man, and it's in Jesus Christ. The last thing that I would share with you is this. We all have stories. You have a story of faith of how you came to know Christ. Wade shared his story, and I mean to tell you, I could, I could echo that about a hundred times in many services I've been to, and it was you know, you look back, you're like, man, that really made some people feel uncomfortable, and we didn't care. We want people to feel comfortable, not because we want you just to like us. We want you to feel comfortable because we believe if you're here with us and you begin to hear our stories, you will be ignited in your faith for Jesus Christ, and he will change your life. We don't want you to hear good stories and funny stories that just make you laugh, and they're important, and we like to tell them from time to time. We want you to hear the stories about how Jesus got into the lives of our marriages and our kids and our, and our personal lives and our, and our situations of life, our life stages, and watch and see how Jesus moved in our lives and for you to be encouraged that Jesus could do the same for you. If you have been a believer in Christ for a long time, 
I believe what sets you apart as a disciple is when you begin to multiply that story into other people. And you begin to set that story into other, other people's lives and say, it's going to be different for you, but i got to tell you what Jesus has done in my life. And begin to share that. Some of your coworkers, do you know who has the most powerful testimony in your office? You. Your neighborhood. Who has the greatest story to share to your neighbors to help them understand who Jesus is? You. We need to have the courage and boldness to share our story. And when unexpected change happens in those people's lives, guess who they're going to come to? You. Because you shared the story of how Jesus worked in your life, and they want it in their life too. So put your faith in Jesus. If this is the first time that anybody's ever presented that to you, I'm telling you right now, the Bible tells me that if you will confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and you will put his name and your, in his life into your heart, that you will be eternally changed. Your faith will not be a once in a moment flash in the pan. It will be a life-changing, eternal life change that you need desperately. You need to have faith in Jesus Christ. But don't just have a one moment. Have a lifetime of experiences that strengthen your faith, encourage you, and challenge you, and move you into a greater, deeper, more fulfilling relationship with Jesus Christ. And trust the power of Jesus, because the same things that he was doing in the Bible, he can do in you. In fact, the awesomeness of Jesus Christ is that what he did there is unique to those situations. He wants to do something completely and totally and radically new in your life that no one's ever seen or heard of before. He wants to do it in your life but we have to put our faith in him. And if we've been a person of faith for a long time, if we've been Christians, then we have got to share our story. People's eternal lives are waiting to hear what God has done for you, so share it with people you come in contact with. Walk that guy out with the grocery bags the farthest you can in the parking lot, sharing the gospel all the way from the grocery store to your car. Share with walkers that are in your neighborhood. as you're, Walk with them. Tell them about Jesus Christ as they're walking in your neighborhood. Share with your coworkers, share with your friends, but above all else, share with your family. Some of your spouses are waiting for you to share your faith. Some of your kids are desperately waiting to hear it from you. They love hearing at Kids Life, they love hearing at student ministry. But I really think that the reason why my children have an incredibly uh, growing relationship of their own with Jesus Christ is because of the stories that they've watched us live out and the things that we've shared with them but we want to encourage them to have their own. You can do that too with your family, with your friends and your coworkers. I'm telling you right now, God is doing some great things in some people's lives right here. Unexpected change is going to happen, but I pray as you do that when those changes happen, when those life circumstances begin, we don't panic. We just run to Jesus. When the disciples thought that they were going to die, they turned around. Who'd they go to? They finally figured out where Jesus was. This morning, if you need some people to help you find Jesus, we're going to have some prayer partners. They'll be on either side. There'll be some that'll be in the mezzanine. You can come. You can talk to them and encourage them and say, I need, to, I need to know who Jesus is, or I need to see Jesus in my story. Will you pray with me? And they will pray with you. You can come to the cross, and you can say, God, I got to be honest with you. I don't see you in my unexpected change in life, and I need to know that you're real and put that on the cross and then watch Jesus begin to work. Maybe you need to go out after service is over. You need to find Carlos and Nilda and you say, maybe not your life group, but a life group. I need to find something where I can strengthen my faith and do that today. But let's don't leave here thinking unexpected change will not happen to us. Let's prepare ourselves as much as possible that when that moment happens, we go straight to Jesus Christ.